Do you want to learn effective ways to build relationships, generate sales, and grow your business from successful entrepreneurs, startups, and CEOs without listening to a long, long, long interview? If so, you've come to the right place. Gresham Harkness values your time and is ready to share with you precisely the information you're in search of. This is the I Am CEO Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the I Am CEO Podcast, and I have a very special guest on the show today. I have Brad Smith of Codeless. Brad, it's awesome to have you on the show. Thanks, Gresh. Looking forward to it. No problem. Super excited to have you on. And before we jump in, I want to read a little bit more about Brad so you can hear about all the awesome things that he's doing. And Brad is the founder and CEO of Codeless, a content production company whose content has been highlighted by the New York Times, Business Insider, The Next Web, and thousands more. He's a co-founder of Usurp, a digital PR company that helps connect its clients with leading SaaS, e-commerce, SEO, tech, business, and marketing sites to boost brand authority fast. Brad, are you ready to speak to the IMCO community? Yes, let's get going. Let's do it. <laughs> so, to, so to kick everything off, I wanted to rewind the clock a little bit, hear a little bit more on how you got started. Could you take us through what I call your CEO story? We'll let you get started with your business. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'll try to give you the short version of it. Uh, a long, long time ago in college, I thought I was going to go into real estate, like finance and investment. Uh, my dad had a commercial real estate company. Um, the financial crisis hit not long after I graduated from college. So obviously some of those plans changed. But during that time working there, uh, I started to redevelop his website. I was working with a friend of mine who was studying uh, kind of basic HTML and CSS and JavaScript back in the day. And we were redeveloping his website and I started learning about all these new technologies like SEO and all this stuff. And this was like, I don't know, mid 2000s. So it was, it was like still a little early in the game. And I just thought it was crazy that you could acquire customers like this as opposed to like, at that time, me, a college kid or fresh out of college trying to go to a trade show and like, you know, uh, sell like all these old dudes who probably had no time for me. Um, and so I kind of started to get into it then and I, I joined um, a couple of tech companies and then a uh, travel company. And then eventually as I was doing that, started building up my own client base, just friends and family, kind of like how most people probably start in this industry where friends and family and people start finding out what you do and, and they want your help and you're pretty cheap at that point. So you're happy to, you're happy to do it and they're happy to pay you. Um, but then it was in, I was, I was, we were doing SEO for a while and doing, um, Codeless for a while as kind of like a classic uh, full service agency, or at least we, we try, we tempted to. So that's really difficult, especially in SEO, where it's getting increasingly competitive and more difficult and nuanced. And so after Panda and Penguin and all those things started happening, I took a step back and said, okay, how do we really just focus on what, where I think we're really, really good? Um, and then from there, that's almost like Codeless had been around longer, but that's almost like the point of where I think Codeless was like reborn and, and the last, you know, six, seven years have been on, on a much different trajectory, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I'm having visions of like a phoenix rising up and, and being <laughs> reinvented into something completely new. Uh, but no, I, I think that's absolutely awesome, uh, you know, because I think, as you said, like, uh, it's, it's almost feels like a cheat in the way that people are looking for stuff and to kind of, I always say skate to where the puck is, not to where the puck's going to be and kind of seeing where people are, are, are searching for stuff, how they're searching for stuff. And, and because SEO could be so broad, having that ability to be able to kind of niche down and do what you do best is, is pretty awesome. For sure, yeah. Uh, it creates a lot of problems, too, when you're trying to do too much. So you don't know how to hire, you don't know how to work on messaging for what your company does and how you sell, and it affects pricing because you're competing with all the other Me Too agencies. Me Too in a sense of, like, copycats. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, just there's this trickle-down effect that you don't really realize until you go through it. And I was really focused on 
number one, enjoying my life. So now I'm like sitting here in tank top in Palm Springs doing this interview, which is fun. And I don't have to do all the drudgery anymore. But the other part of that was like, I want to be really, really good at what we're doing and stand behind it. And I don't want to sell something or work on something I don't believe in either. So we need to be extremely good at whatever we're going to do. Yeah. And a lot of times the best way to do that is to be able to kind of hunker down and focus. So um, I absolutely love that. So I know I touched on it a little bit when I read your bio and you did as well too. Can you take us through exactly what that niche is? How exactly are you, you running Colis and how do you support the clients you work with? Yeah, definitely. We're kind of like a weird uh, hybrid of like a content marketing agency, but also like a publisher because we do a lot of high volume stuff. And so I like to say we do content production. And what that means is um, usually when clients hire us, we have like a team of people working on their account. So we have writers, editors, strategy people, account managers, designers. Um, so there's usually at least like four to five people on each account. And uh, we do somewhere around 250 articles a month. And so we're talking thousands of articles a year and we've been doing that now for several years. And so I, depending on the industry you're in, we tend to work in a lot of competitive industries. So tech, finance, cybersecurity. And um, especially when there's like venture capital or like huge amounts of money coming into some of these companies that may need to grow extremely quickly. That usually means, that usually translates into, they need to do a ton of stuff to get that flywheel of customer acquisition moving quickly. And they don't have time to wait around. So they don't have time to just do three average blog posts a month. Uh, they need to, they need like this machine to come get built in their organization. And that's essentially what we do. And that's kind of how we're a little different from like a team of freelancers or, and it's kind of like a hybrid approach of managing in-house versus externally or, or other agencies who might be really good, but focus more on strategy, not on execution. We're kind of like somewhere in the middle of, of all those, those entities, I guess. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I, and I love that it sounds like you already kind of have the, the machine built, so to speak. And it sounds like it can kind of plug into the, the teams that already are looking to get that that um, that boost in their brand, their publicity and everything all uh, extremely fast. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we, we like, like I said, we've been doing it now for a, kind of a while and kind of perfecting it. Um, we just did 70 articles for one company in like two and a half weeks. Nice. Uh, with very little kind of like front end uh, onboarding and stuff. It was very much like, you got to just jump into it and, and keep moving. And so the only way we're able to do that is because we already have the network of writers and how to structure content as templates and, and really build things to scale. And again, have the people in place. So you have editors focused on what they're good at. You have writers focused on what they're good at. You don't have people getting pulled in different directions. So it is very much like this, this detailed process and collection of systems that we then can go in and, and, and modify for each kind of client. Yeah, and that's absolutely huge because it definitely sounds like everybody's in their their zone of genius, so to speak. They get the opportunity to really focus, as you mentioned, that you're not kind of pulled in in different directions as each member can be when you're trying to do, you know, 10 different things. Um, it allows you to really niche down and be able to kind of crank out, I guess, a lot of content or whatever it is that you're, you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, definitely. So one of the early ideas that I took this from was how professional um, restaurants are organized. So you have different people working different stations. Um, you have one person working kind of a line and stuff, stuff as it comes out. Uh, it's very much like a hierarchy or not, not, not a hierarchy in the sense of like a ton of managers were very flat and horizontal and people kind of like manage themselves to a large degree. But, um, but there, but there is very much a, let's, let's find out what people are good at and then just have them do that. So our internal writers produce way more than any in-house writers usually do at other companies. And part of that's because we tell them like, you don't need to sit on the Slack all day. You don't need to email us. You don't need to email clients. You don't need to go on the phone with clients. Like we, that's the account manager's role. So we really try to structure everything. Um, and, and on the account management side and other agencies, account managers or project managers often just like email people and harass people. They don't actually like know what's going on. They don't actually know or understand like things are at this phase and they'll be done by this stage or be able to answer a client's questions. So I really want to make sure like 
how we structure things is very important because it, it uh, and the people we hire and everything else, it just makes everything much clearer and simpler. And uh, ultimately it means we're, we're able to produce better stuff for clients and make them happier, hopefully. And it takes a lot less time. And there's less errors ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of definitely reminds me of the the, the book, The E-Myth. And I don't know if you've ever seen the Netflix movie, The, the, the Founder, um, where yeah. it kind of talks about the beginning of McDonald's and how he created a system um, so that people were doing exactly what it is that they were kind of focused on doing their best at doing it. It starts to create this uh, kind of um, streamlined approach to be able to kind of serve the client at the best possible ability. Yeah, definitely. So I've, I've been self-employed for like almost around 10 years, something like that. And uh, the first like six, I did it wrong. <laughs> so... So the last, like, so yeah, it, it very much was a, a product of like doing it wrong, not understanding why I couldn't scale, not understanding why clients were happy when I, when I thought we had all the things in place. And so it was very much like learning lessons the hard way and then uh, tearing it down to the studs and kind of rebuilding it in the right way. And then that's when things take off. And I think it's a byproduct of telling you you're in the right direction, if that makes sense. So um, yeah, it's very much, sometimes you just need to get out of your own way. Yeah, absolutely. And it's sometimes hard to do that, especially if you had the train rolling a certain way. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to, to tear it to the studs, as you said, and, and rebuild um, something that's even bigger and better and, and more effective and efficient. And so um, I, I wanted to ask you now for what I call your secret sauce. And this could be for you personally or your business or a combination of both. But what do you feel kind of sets you apart and makes you unique? I think our extreme kind of specialization sets us apart and has, has worked really well for us. So when I found success with, with scaling codeless and taking something really difficult, like quality content, which can be subjective and scaling it. Um, well, we took a very specific approach of like, we're just going to do one type of content. We're just going to work for one type of clients or one type of industry. And um, we're going to have, that means we're going to hire one type of writer. And so it got, and, and we're only going to have one rate structure. Like it got very, it started out as very, 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 very narrow and specialized. And it's adjusted as we've grown because the team's bigger and can handle more um, diversity in a sense of like, uh, you know, being able to tackle different challenges. So we can do different types of content now. We can work in different in, um, industries. But a lot of things are, are still holding, holding true where like we don't have a SaaS writer write for finance. We go out and hire just finance writers for finance. And so we, we still try to hold a lot of those specializations and those things in place because at the end of the day, it, does, it is what helps make us somewhat unique, even against other kind of direct competitors. Um, so what we do and the way we do it is, is very different. And sometimes we often don't do things that they do too. So you, you're bringing up a bunch of good book examples, but um, another one here is like Blue Ocean Strategy, where it's like these things we're going to do similarly to competitors or the rest of the market. These things we're going to completely drop and not even worry about. And these things we're going to take to some extreme OCD level and charge like way more than most people do. And and if you do it right, and if you are constantly iterating based on the feedback and, and the, the feedback from customers and the results you're getting, then, then um, it's, it, becomes a lot easier over time. Absolutely love that. And, and I wanted to uh, switch gears a little bit and I wanted to ask you for what I call a CEO hack. So this could be like an app, a book or a habit that you have, but what's something that makes you more effective and efficient? Yeah, definitely. So I'll try to list a couple things off the top of my head. Um, one of them for sure would be getting better at processes and systems. I, a lot of people in this line of work anyway, that I think uh, they are really good at like what they do. Uh, they're not like, ma like middle managers uh, who just like push paper all day. And so I always like, I like writing. I like doing SEO. I like, I got really good at those like critical kind of parts, but what always held me back for a long time was understanding how do I work through other people? So today I like, don't do any real work. <laughs> I just sit on the phone all day, but how do I, how do I get other people to um, do like execute on my idea and then build on it? So to make it better uh, without me having to get involved and in, in diving into the weeds of everything. And so even though we're a smaller company, 
it's still very much like that where I'm, I'm not really involved in like the day-to-day -day of most things. And so usually processing systems come back to like the EMS you mentioned, uh, work the system is another really good one. Um, absolutely love that. And so now I wanted to ask you for what I call a CEO nugget. And this could be a word of wisdom or piece of advice. It might be something you would tell a client, or if you hopped into a time machine, you might tell your younger business self. I think sometimes people, especially founders and CEOs need to stop overcomplicating things. And so a lot of times we have these grand ambitions that we're really in no place to execute because we don't have the team, the time, the money, like all the things. Um, a lot of times too, though, I think we try to overcomplicate things. And so, for example, when I was originally started an agency, a long time ago, it was very different. And we worked with clients in different industries and we had tried to deliver different services and we tried to, and then you, you read about all the, the agencies that grow fast or the ones that are really good or the other types of service, you know, the best like advice from service professionals and they're always talking about like, well, you should specialize more. And then you go, oh yeah, yeah, I should specialize more. And then you don't do it because you're like, oh, well, I still kind of like working in travel and retail and because it's kind of fun because you're like, but that's not how you go like a successful business. That's how you, that's cool if that's, if your approach is one thing, if your approach is, I want to, I want to do the work myself. I want to stay small. I want to, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if, if you're trying to take the other approach, I want to build a business, I want to build a team, I want to scale. Uh, you need to get out of your own way again. You need to get out of your own head and just listen to other people and do what they're telling you. And even if it hurts. So a lot of times I think we, especially founders and CEOs are like very optimistic people. So it's very easy for us to lie to ourselves about things and say it's going to be better tomorrow. Or if just that one client would have signed or that one prospect would have signed or if uh, whatever, this one thing would have been different then everything would have been great. And oh yeah, next month, like we're going to have a record month. Sometimes you just need to kind of like accept reality a little more and um, simplify your life a little more and don't overthink kind of where you're at. Definitely appreciate that nugget. And so now I wanted to ask you my absolute favorite question, which is the definition of what it means to be a CEO. And we're hoping to have different quote unquote CEOs on the show. So Brad, what does being a CEO mean to you? You have to be comfortable with being bad at stuff. <laughs> so a lot of times when, in, in most companies and most organizations, if you get good at something, they keep you there or they promote you in that little space. And it makes total sense because like, if you're good at something and you do more of it, then typically the company, you know, whatever makes more money, all that kind of stuff. Brad, truly appreciate that definition. I appreciate your time even more. What I wanted to do is pass you the mic, so to speak, just to see if there's anything additional you can let our readers and listeners know. And of course, how best they can get a hold of you and find out about all the awesome things you and your team are working on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so our, yeah, so my main site is codeless, getcodeless.com. As I mentioned, we do content production. Um, happy to talk about all this stuff. You can find me on LinkedIn. I believe my username on there, whatever it's called, is uh, BS Marketer for my initials. Uh, BS. Um, and the, yeah, those, those are the best ways to usually get a hold of me. Happy to talk about all this kind of stuff because I think one of, the, one of the reasons I want I wanted to jump on this is because I think a lot of times founders and stories, everything you hear is geared towards like the success and the extremes. And there's usually not reality. Uh, and so I, I like talking about this, this kind of stuff that other people don't talk about in a sense of um, how, how people actually got to those points without glossing over like all the gory details and just focusing on like the, the fun, shiny stuff that, you know, happened after 10 years. <laughs> it's like when you read a biography and they talk about like this kid going, growing up uh, through high school, through college. And then all of a sudden you fast forward to like when they're 40 and they're like, oh, you're successful. And you're, you're like, right. wait, what the hell happened in the middle? <laughs> exactly. How did they go from like new college, you know, graduate to, you know, yeah. multi-million dollar CEO or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I think that, I think it's important that people focus and, and kind of explain how it really is because it, it is really difficult and you, you don't always like, don't always have that compass where you're not exactly sure what direction you're supposed to be going in. So 
I'm always happy to chat in detail about this stuff. Well, I definitely appreciate that, Brad. We will have the links and information in the show notes. And, and you're absolutely right, because so many times you don't know if you're going the right way because you never see that aspect of people's stories. And so I appreciate yeah. you for, for being transparent, for talking about, you know, the struggles, because I, I usually say life isn't all sunshine and rainbows and business definitely is not either, <laughs> because there's definitely a lot of ups and downs and, and topsy-turvy times for sure. So I appreciate you for, for reminding us of that and reminding us of how that is the way to kind of get towards success. And, and I appreciate you again, and I hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you for listening to the I Am CEO podcast powered by Blue 16 Media. Tune in next time and visit us at imceo.co. I Am CEO is not just a phrase, it's a community. Be sure to follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. Grab CEO Gear at www.ceogear.co. This has been the I Am CEO Podcast with Gresham Harkless. Thank you for listening.